has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by editor at Slash Film. They are also a writer, a film critic, and co-host of the Horror Hangover podcast. Please welcome Cass Clark. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. I'm very excited to chat with you today. And the excitement is mutual because the topic you picked is one that, I'm going to be honest, seems really obvious. looking back at it but I didn't think of it and no one else except for you so far has thought of it we are talking about death yeah I mean the the uh the main ingredient of our horror genre specifically yeah specifically with grim reapers which is my favorite yes the manifestation of uh the cold inevitable fate we must all face But yeah, I think it's such a cool thing to talk about with the Grim Reaper, especially. Specifically, we're going to talk about Final Destination 5, Mm -hmm. which is a gem. (laughs) Yeah, I am surprised at how much I enjoy it because I did not enjoy 3 or 4. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep, unfortunately, during the third one, even though I really wanted to get into it because I was like, oh, a roller coaster concept is such a neat idea. Uh, But the fifth one is just so much fun. I mean, there's there's some things that haven't aged quite well, like the effects and some of the like the women's dialogue is kind of very strange in that like <laughs> 2000-ish era where like everyone is calling each other like a bitch or a slut. And you're like, that's your friend, dude. What are you, what are you doing? But I think the film overall is just so fun. It has such a nice reveal at the end without spoiling it. If you're a fan of the first couple Final Destination films. We'll, I, we'll get into that spoiler later, but right now we're yeah. spoiler free. I, yes. I'll uh, I'll let everyone know when it, when it's spoiler spoiler time. <laughs> nice. But I, I'm very curious, why Final Destination 5 specifically? Yeah, so my reason for that is I love the fan theory that Tony Todd's William Bloodworth is, in the universe of the film, a Grim Reaper character. They never say this. It's never confirmed in the universe. He is a medical examiner, chief medical examiner, slash coroner, same diff. (laughs) But he's (laughs) always like around these individuals who are the lucky few who end up being very unlucky with their like Rube Goldberg style deaths. And he just teases out little facts about the rules of death and how death works. And I love the idea, especially because I think it's in the first one when uh, Devon Zawa's character, Alex, is with him at an autopsy, or at least in the room. And he's like, he calls the Grim Reaper, like, I think he says a Mac Daddy, son of a bitch. Like, you don't want to mess with that Mac Daddy. And I was like... Wouldn't it be such the cool, the coolest thing in the world where he's just in third person referring to how much of a badass he is and it just keeping that secret like to himself and playing his cards close to his chest. And I think viewing him that way is just so much more fascinating because there's still death as like an entity, but he's quite literally like in the doorway between life and death. Uh, and what else would a Grim Reaper do but be a, like a coroner? Like you got to be around the dead people anyway. <laughs> like... And you don't even want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> No, that like, might be one of my favorite lines in any movie. I was about to say a horror movie, but honestly, in any movie. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I just think this is one of the ones where I like that it's ambiguous. I like that it's playful. Yeah. And I think sometimes when Grim Reapers show up in, in other movies, like, even though I love Scrooge, the Bill Murray Christmas Carol one, it, it can be it can be a bit hokey where you're like, oh, big men with the big like scythe. And it's like, well, I think it's more interesting where like, death is just among us like in reality and you just don't know until it's too late so i love i love his character for that no i love how you said that because when you first said the grim reaper my mind went to that cartoon show from back in the day um where the i i feel dumb because i can't think of the name right now but the grim reaper it has to be like friends with two two kids i don't think i ever saw this it this was from so good, the 2000s though. It was from the 2000s. And animated? Was it animated? It was, uh, it was on Cartoon Network. It was animated. Oh. The Grim Reaper had like a Jamaican accent for some reason. And oh. I can't, I can see it in my head so clearly. <laughs> I want to Google this. Let's see. Cartoon Network. 
I can't think of the name cartoon let's see something almost popped up oh wow look how cute these guys are uh did you find it i think i did the grim adventures of billy and mandy yes yes that's it that's it oh my god i don't have to watch this it was such a weird show (laughs) it looks like it has a mixture of like like macabre animation and also like the dexter laboratory like faces where eyes are just like eyebrows are just one line and then they're like circle eyes (laughs) oh this looks delightful (laughs) no it was definitely an interesting show because it if i remember correctly it was out in like the 2000s and that's when i was growing up i i did not watch the final destination movies growing up until Mm -hmm. like the fifth one the fifth one was the first one i saw because that came out while i was in high school it's actually kind of uh Still in non-spoiler territory, but that's a, in a weird way the best way to watch it if you watch five first without knowing anything and then watch it, one too. <laughs> when I finally did watch the whole series and uh, since then, actually, I've had three days in my life where I've watched all five in the same day. <laughs> wow, really? I would be afraid to leave my house after that because even watching after watching one of them, you start kind of noticing things like oh this towel on the floor is really close to this shelf and like what if I slipped on this tower like it just gets really creepy after a while well it never happens on purpose I (laughs) (laughs) it's because every time it's happened it's been on AMC Fear Fest because I like to put that on in October Uh, okay and then I'll be like, oh, the first Final Destination's on. I'll, I'll watch this for a little bit while I do other stuff. And and then all of a sudden, the fifth one's wrapping up. And I'm like, oh, there goes my day. <laughs> oh, man. Do you feel like more scared after you watch it the next day or more cautious when you're moving into rooms and outside? No. No? Okay. I, I think for me, there's a camp element to final destination mm, so you find more know, like the fun from it yeah i don't know if camp is the right word but i don't feel like uncomfy after i watch it yeah some of them especially the fifth one which i know we're, we're gonna dive into deeper deeper but that one is definitely very i think i would say there's moments of camp in it because some of the kills are just ridiculous like the one i immediately think of is the gymnast one which she's just twirling and i forget i don't know what they call it the beams or bars or whatever Uh, but she's slipping all around and then she just lands in this like her entire body is folded in half and her leg is clearly broken and her neck is clearly broken and people go over to check on her to see if she's okay (laughs) like they're like oh god is she okay maybe she's okay it's like no she is not okay she is like dead dead (laughs) but yeah like moments like that happen we're like this is so ridiculous um yeah so it's still very fun oh i love i love them i think the first one is my favorite Mm. it's hard to tell it's because like for me there's a tie for first place between the first one the second one and the fifth one Mm, yeah they're all i feel like they all work well in different ways i think yeah first one that genuinely scares me like after watching destination five i wasn't freaked out but i can guarantee you every single time i watch the first one i definitely get way more cautious like walking around my house and just being very (laughs) very careful with crossing the street and whatnot every time i think it's just because james wan is just a master at at tension and at like fake outs i feel that i think the one that's scares me the most is the second one. Oh, the log one. <laughs> and that's the reason why. Like I yep. can't drive behind a log truck ever. <laughs> Have you ever seen Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker? No, I've never heard of it, but this has my attention. <laughs> yeah, so insane title. Uh it's I believe it's still streaming on Shutter. I can't say too much about it without revealing the insane premise, but just know that the film starts off with, it was made in like the night, I'm going to say early 80s. Yeah, it came out in the US in 1981. So it definitely has some of that like late 70s, almost, it's not Technicolor, but has like that grainy feel to it still because it's like an older film. But one of the opening scenes is, I think, the best like log death scene in all of horror. Better than The Descent better than Final Destination 2 and it goes to like completely balls to the wall territory where I'll spoil it a little bit because it's like the first five minutes (laughs) I'm teasing it so hard but basically someone's in the car there's a log truck in front of them the logs go in and like impale someone in the car and it causes them to crash into a car and you're like okay they must be dead right nope we keep going this car then goes rolling down a cliff and you're like oh god they're dead dead and then on top of that the car explodes so it's like it's it's just like beat for beat you're like oh wow they're dead you're like oh I guess we're still going with this car like these people 
people, whew, they're not having a good time. It just keeps getting progressively like more uh, intense to the point where you just are kind of laughing at the end where you're like, <laughs> what the hell just happened? <laughs> but the way they do that log scene, it's, it's almost identical for um, how Final Destination 2 does it, but is a bit more graphic because they, the camera stays on it and it just keeps going, watching this car just explode. <laughs> so I very much recommend it. And the movie itself is... I'll say a, about a deranged serial killer who has a very unhealthy obsession with her arguably nephew. And that's all I'll say, but it's really good. <laughs> this sounds amazing. And I'm going to add it to my watch list immediately. You you have to. The ending is so good. It's just strangest and most delightful movie. Uh, and then after, I can guarantee you, you will not look at a glass of milk the same way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Yeah. That's fun to say. It's so fun to say. I don't. I have no idea why. I think the original, the title was something just bland. I forgot what the original was, but they changed it to Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, and it's so much fun to say. <laughs> even if the movie, even if like I hate the movie for some reason, I will always love it just for the title. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to see that now. That I've never heard of it prior to this conversation, so I'm excited. I I love hearing about movies that I haven't come across yet. So I'm like okay, it's time to <laughs> watch something new, especially yeah. like older horror movies, which mm -hmm. are a bunch I haven't heard of, but still, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's why I feel like I love Shudder so much. And they're so good to us too as horror fans because they do a really great job of finding the ones that like maybe some people have seen, maybe they're cult classics and where they're not, but just don't have any pathway to distribution at this point. You know, like no one's necessarily asking for the film in like the mainstream, but they find these gems and they get it on their platform so we get to see it, which is so nice because a lot of them, they're like not in print anymore. And you can't get them. So that's pretty cool. No, I love Shudder's um, selection so much because it's uh, and by the way i'm not sponsored by shutter or anything yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not either. sponsored <laughs> i'm not sponsored by anyone um i just genuinely love this service but every time i go on i feel like because horror is such a diverse genre it's literally there's so much you can do where when your genre has movies like alien freaky yeah. and you said it earlier martyrs and yeah. it's all <laughs> the same genre Right. Those are completely different movies. Yes. Yeah. I try to think of like the three most extremes that I could. I'm sure there are more. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's just a good range of the buffet that we have in horror. <laughs> and it's honestly, that could be a fun game. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I love Shudder. I think it's great because it you can find whatever you're craving or whatever you're itching for in horror you can probably find it from campy sci-fi to disturbing asian cinema it has everything and, and we love I, it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it exposes me to things i would have never thought of mm -hmm. Same. in both good and bad ways <laughs> fair is fair um before we get back into talking about our boy tony todd have you always been a horror fan yeah i think it's one of those things where I always loved horror, but I kind of did it in secrecy as a kid because my parents really weren't a, a fan of it. Uh, I grew up Roman Catholic, not Roman Catholic anymore. Uh, I feel so, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I think I didn't become like a like self-identified, like someone that actually talked aloud about horror movies and stuff until like college where I found like a, a lovely group of little film nerds. And like once a week we would sit down and watch just like like I saw high tension because of, of these people, <laughs> like just like very like niche, mostly independent horror films, which just opened my eyes to like how much depth the genre has overall. Kind of like what you were just saying, like I would watch like one Friday, we would watch Friday the 13th and the next one we'd be watching Wreck, the Spanish film, Finnish film, which is fantastic. Um, and it's just really, I think from that point forward, I actively like got hungry for horror and started seeking it out and then would go to see every scary movie release that I could get my hands on. But not always. I think my first horror memory, uh, and I would love to hear yours, is when okay. I was probably close to four-ish, way too young, and my dad was watching Jaws. So I had the lovely benefit of having Steven Spielberg be my first horror experience. Uh, and it terrified me for oceans and sometimes even swimming pools ever since. <laughs> I got to I gotta think what my very first horror memory is. Because mm. like, I know there are stories, but I don't quite remember them mm -hmm. so the first the first horror movie i've watched 
ever i don't remember because i was three years old and this is also steven spielberg but it was jurassic park oh oh that jello scene scared the shit out of me as a kid that red jello or green jello shaking i can't remember yeah but- because uh the girl sees the, the velociraptor and that that movie formed my personality so <laughs> <laughs> so i can't even say it changed my life because i was three years old it just set me on a course for where I am now and mm-hmm. where I'm gonna go probably but um I don't remember that I was three years old my mom remembers it very well mm-hmm. did you have a um, favorite dinosaur oh t-rex ah okay cool rexy baby rexy's always been my favorite since I was uh, since I was three but I love the velociraptors yeah they're pretty cool I love the velociraptors I think the dilophosaurus is well, Steven Spielberg's ver- version of a Dilophosaurus is great. The spitting venom one, when it's like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my that's my favorite. So cool, so cool. I love it. And then I know why. And I, I've watched Jaws since I was five. It's kind of like a family tradition now, where we traumatize our young ones by showing <laughs> them Jaws at five. Gosh, so <laughs> if I if I ever have children of my own. I the day they turn five, they are seeing Jaws. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I know I saw Carrie really young, and that scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Same with the Amityville Horror. Oh, I remember reading the book uh, from the library and just being very creeped out until I and until I got much much older and I realized, oh, it was all a sham to like sell the house. <laughs> like they really needed to get rid of that house, and they had a mortgage they couldn't afford so they invented all these stories but the book itself is really creepy it's very strange there's like a a golden lion statue that in the book at least it like bites someone and like as a kid you're just like oh, i didn't know that could happen uh, as an adult you're like how the fuck did a statue bite the dad <laughs> like how did that happen it was the devil <laughs> it was the devil oh my goodness <laughs> but yeah ghosties scare me so um, the Amityville Horror really left a mark. Carrie left a mark. I didn't really get into horror until I was like older high school, early college, because mm-hmm. that's when I started because I always loved monsters. I think Jurassic Park and Jaws were a big reason for that. And then growing up, I loved Godzilla and Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I got into Alien and Predator kind of young, like 10, 11-ish. Yeah. But I didn't get into like other genres until I was in high school. Because when I was in high school, that's when like Insidious came out and mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity were the big um was was the big franchise. I was a little too young for Saw and Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when they came out because you couldn't go <laughs> you couldn't go anywhere without seeing like saw posters and advertisements every halloween (laughs) yeah it's like that foot of the cadaver was everywhere that poster yeah my memory (laughs) so like i knew what saw was i knew what hostel was i didn't know what hostel was but i knew what it was if that makes sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i didn't see a lot of these types of movies until i was in college and then that's when i really became a horror fan and then i embraced it a little after college because that's because I'm like, well, I might as well start getting the shirts because <laughs> they're it's the only thing I'm watching. <laughs> Very cool. Now you have a horror podcast. <laughs> yeah, that how far we've come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I'm still scared of everything. There's that new movie out right now, which at the moment I haven't seen yet. Maybe when this is released, I will have seen it, but it kind of scares mm-hmm. me. It's called Skinamarink. Oh, yes. I've also not yet seen it, but I love the concepts. I love minimal horror. And I, I think for those who don't know what the movie is about, it's about kids who wake up one day uh, at night and their parents are just gone. They're just gone. So they just have to comfort each other. But there's something else in the house with them. And it's hard to escape the house. And it's like sold, done, throw my money at it. <laughs> That's scary. I didn't know that much. I just... well, now you know a little bit more. I I honestly just thought it was a ghosty movie and I'm scared of ghosties. So that was enough. I'm like, I'm still going to see it, (laughs) Yeah, but I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit, especially when there's like a film centered around kids, it just ups the stakes. So I think it's going to be going to be a good one. I'm really excited to see it. I feel like every horror fan has like that certain sub genre that they do the least well with. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, it's water horror because of the Jaws, thanks to people like your family and my dad. Uh, so like whenever there's a release, like I even even if I get emailed a PR blast, like this new like summer movie is coming out with like a shark or some sort of alligator or something, which happens every summer in, in the world of horror, uh, I'm just like, immediate pass. Like, nope, cannot do it. Will not do it. <laughs> so I'm assuming you skipped the 2020 Kristen Stewart movie underwater. Mm-hmm. Well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie a lot, but like, it's kind of a monster movie. It's kind of other stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but that movie's been out a little bit. Yeah. I like monsters. Monsters are my comfort horror. Mm, yeah. I like that way with slashers. Can watch yeah. it at any mood. and It'll be fine. I'm kind of like that with slashers. Some slashers are a little grisly, so mm. I'm not gonna throw on Maniac. Yeah, um, anytime. Yeah, put my right. If I'm in a silly, goofy mood, I I usually save that for like like Nightmare Four or mm. Friday Six. Yeah. Although Terrifier Two, I might put on if I'm if I have the time and I'm in a silly, goofy mood. Because Art seems like he's in a silly, goofy mood. He's always having fun. He's always playing in his bloodbaths. He's yeah, it, he's here just, to play. <laughs> it's just really fucking gross. It's just very <laughs> ugh, the scene on the bed still like I I don't know why I do this all the time, but I'll sit down for dinner and I'll put on a scary movie. And like if it's like anything that's not a slasher, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. What can they do? But every once in a while I'll just happen to put on a slasher like Terrifier 2 and we'll be eating something like fucking Chana Masala. And I'm like, oh this no. was a mistake. This was a mistake. I remember once I, I introduced my my husband to Hellraiser and we ordered Indian food and we did it was another time where we had masala and like just watching Frank's body reanimate as we were like looking at our food, it just killed it. It killed it so much. <laughs> that's awesome. I yeah. love Hellraiser, by the way. Love Clive Barker. Yeah. And he actually made my favorite ghosty movie. Well, he wrote the short story that was the inspiration for my favorite ghosty movie, Candyman. Oh, yep. Yes. Good on. And Candy, I don't know. I've seen Candyman a bunch now, so I don't know if it scares me, but I'm still never going to say his name in a mirror. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I've never I, done it. I, I can't. I'm too scared. I know. If I was if I was a meaner person, I would say it five times in this podcast, but I wouldn't want to. I don't have any mirrors around me, so <laughs> bring it. Um, no, I'm messing. But um, yeah, Candyman's one of my all time favorites. And I bring it up because it stars our boy, Tony Todd. And that's yeah. how we get back to Final Destination 5. Boom. Bye, 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 professional bye, bye, podcast. <laughs> nailed it nailed it yeah let's let's dive into found destination five. First thing i really really actually want to talk about tony todd so we're kind we're one step in final destination five one step out of it yeah <laughs> but i think he is so good just as an actor not not just oh, yeah. in final five or Candyman, but just in everything mm-hmm that he's done why do you think his presence in the final destination movies works so well yeah i think that tony todd is one of those actors that is so captivating because he has such control over his body and i i talked a little bit about the power of stillness when i was uh, interviewing josh rubin about a wounded fawn on, on our pod over at a horror hangover because i think it's so underrated of a talent like to be able to make your body completely still and then move it at the exact like degree to like give tension, like the way that Tony Todd has ability to like lean over and he makes you catch your breath and you're like waiting for what is he going to say? And it's just, he knows exactly how to pause between like his lines to create that tension. And then he can nail those line deliveries, but knows exactly like when to pull back from that moment. So he doesn't overstay his welcome and become campy. Cause I think he totally could have cast someone else as basically the Grim Reaper in the final destination franchise. And they would have they would have pushed it into camp. It would have been like, don't fuck with the Mac Daddy. Like it would have just been exaggerated. It would have been too much. But he's just like, he's just so good. So that's the things I love about him. That he knows how to deliver a line and let it sit. And he knows like how much she should pause between words. He knows how to be still and like create this like threatening vibe. And then also like he has a little humor too. Like one of my favorite bits is like when in Final Five at least is when they're at the funeral of all their dead coworkers. And he shows up and is creeping everyone out. And he just kind of gives us like little smirk and then walks away. And I feel like that's just like 
so telling of that character and of his control over his understanding of his roles because it adds that little bit of mystery like why did he smirk what's going on uh and it's like all those little touches like oh it's so good i wonder if tony todd has like a backstory for william bloodsworth which is a fun name to say I, I don't think I've ever said it out loud before this very moment. And I just did. I'm like, holy shit. I want to say this name. William Bloodsworth. Uh, yeah, I want this. This is now a William Bloodsworth uh, podcast. <laughs> or a lot of blood. <laughs> but like, I, I wonder if he has like, for him, a concrete backstory for his character. I mean, I don't think we'll ever know because that's part of the fun yeah. now. Yeah, I think now it's like... I don't because I still don't know if Final Destination 6 where that is in development. I know that like in 2019 it was confirmed and then by the producers and that the pandemic kind of halted production and it's just they're really expensive movies to shoot because of a lot of the time like there's okay there's definitely CGI stuff in these movies <laughs> definitely CGI stuff and and some that can be kind of glaring over time but a lot of the stuff is like rigged up and that costs a lot of money for the set so I don't I don't know if we ever right. get found at Destination 6 but if we do I I would put money on like Tony Todd's character having an even bigger role so I feel like they've slowly teased him out over the franchise so I would like to think that whether or not there's script that confirms like what his deal is that Tony Todd totally has a backstory for, for the character. Like why else would he commit to returning through like three films? No, I, I get, I get that completely. Cause especially yeah. cause like there's, there's a big reason why my top three favorite are the ones with Tony Todd. Yeah. It just and adds then, intrigue to it too. And he's the rule master. Like he's introducing these rules. So like, right. He has to know more or at least have his own, like mythology for the character because he does love to do that with his roles too even small roles he takes them very seriously and i think just shows again how capable of an actor he is because a lot of other actors would just like show up for like a, a brief cameo and maybe not put as much of themselves into it but he owns it oh he owns that for sure and like in final destination three he's not actually in it but he does do like a vocal cameo yeah he the plays voiceover. like Ooh, okay. yeah the vo- like i think he's like the devil character for the roller coaster mm-hmm. like i appreciate where the filmmakers for that one maybe didn't really see a way to bring Tony Todd back in, but they still understood the importance Mm -hmm. of having Tony Todd. And I don't like bashing movies, but four was not good. (laughs) It's okay to say. I I don't like four. And I think a big reason is because they lost sight of what Final Destination is. Yeah, it's a game. It's like a game of life or death, but mostly just death. Yeah, And they forgot, you know, like there's only one guy who's in all of them. Mm-hmm. So to not it's like it's like making a Jurassic Park movie without the T-Rex. Yeah, he's a huge draw. I will say that for sure. It's yeah. not the main character shows up for a scene or two, maybe. But that's what everyone thinks of. Mm-hmm. And we've been teased with his presence so much and like. Every time you see him, it's just a delight. Because at the end yeah. of the day, if we're watching a Final Destination movie, we know everyone's going to die. Like, even if they're not dying technically, they're going to die. I'm still, though, I'm still mad. I do like Final Destination 2. <laughs> and I know that it's just because Devon Sauer <laughs> had other things going on. But I'm still so fucking mad that killed Alex off screen. And how he died was a brick, like a brick fell on his head. I was like, after all that, that entire yeah. thing, a brick on his head, that's it? Who signed off on that? <laughs> Killed me. I, I don't care if he had to die, but like give it something like either really, really just like like minimal odds of ever happening. Like some of the other deaths where you're like, okay, I guess you could die getting LASIK eye surgery, you know, <laughs> or something just like very big, like a plane crash, something, not a right. brick. Yeah, that was, he survived so much and that's how he's going to go out. Like, yeah, <sighs> I get it. Okay. I'll, I'll get over it in time. It's only been like a decade, but maybe. <laughs> And a couple more. Maybe one day. Yeah, a couple more decades. I think <laughs> it'll be okay. Or maybe the newspaper got it wrong and that wasn't actually Alex. And Alex is still out there in the Final Destination world. I mean, Sawa, I, I hope to God I'm saying his last name right. Because I don't think I've ever said his name aloud. Is it Sawa? I have or no Sawa? clue. Sawa. That's like what I we always all thought it was out. Devin Sawa. Yeah, that's how I've always said it. Well, sorry, Devin. Or Devon, <laughs> either way. But he's, I mean, he's had such a resurgence with the Chucky TV series that I i wouldn't be shocked if they pulled some sort of trick like that for Final Destination 6, like brought him back in some way. Yeah, there's only one character in the entire series that survives because she technically dies. And then 
gets resuscitated back to life. So it'd be interesting if they could pull off like something similar with Alex where it's like, well, he was declared dead, but then he, I don't know, woke up from a coma or something. <laughs> right. Because the thing is like, it's such a like last second thing. It felt like, oh, by the way, he's mm-hmm. dead. That mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be that hard to retcon. I don't think so either. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not like, oh, by the way, the plane never crashed. Yeah. Well, that just invalidated three of the five movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, but for Final Destination 5, yeah. What was your thought rewatching it? Since this was the first Final Destination film of the entire franchise that you saw, what was it like to rewatch it for this pod episode? So at this point, I've seen it the most out of all of them. Mm. So um, I'm not going to lie. I just had fun again. Like, yeah. do you have a favorite just, death? A favorite death. Um, let me think. All right, this this is weird. I don't think anyone ever says it, but uh-huh. I don't know why. I just think it's so funny. It's what's his name? David Kochner, his character. Mm. He's in like Krampus and Anchorman. He plays like the office boss oh oh that's right that's right that's right oh yeah he was in everything in the 2000s yeah yeah he plays oh he plays dennis that's right he's the dennis boss man when when he gets the wrench to <laughs> the face it just comes out of nowhere and it makes me laugh every time i feel like that was also one of the ones where i was like it's one of the first deaths where we see there must have been some other entity like literally death arranging that because the wrench is on the table it is on the table it's not like someone hit the table and it goes flying it's like right. it's magically flies and goes into like the conveyor belt that impales him uh but it just makes me laugh every time so i'm just like did anyone else see that no just me right (laughs) i just think it's so funny i i still think the best one is the gymnastics one by a lot but that doesn't mean it has to be my favorite one That's totally fair. Yeah, I think I would, I would probably say the gymnastic one, but only because I think it did a really good job faking us out like multiple times where we're like, like I was convinced that the, a- the AC was going to fall on her head. But I think that the way they were setting it up was that death was just like, oh, maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of this and was just playing their odds. Right. So it's like right. depending on how she walked around the mat, like there was like five things set up to kill her. And I, and I love that idea where it's just like, death is busy death has a fucking schedule like don't fuck with death it will get you and i love that idea that it's like this very smart and like methodical entity uh, and that's really cool oh i like that a lot because i i think of that scene now and at when i watched it in high school it was the first one i've ever watched so i didn't think of it obviously but now when i watch it i'm thinking this is number five in the series <laughs> the filmmakers know the audience knows we all know so that. how do you keep the audience on your toes? Well, you play around with them a little bit. The audience is smart. So the filmmakers know that the audience is in on the joke at this point or not the joke, but they they know what they're watching. So let's mm-hmm. have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why my favorite one definitely feels fun and clever and surprised me because I was like, I actually don't know how she's going to die, but I'm, gonna, I'm excited to figure out how this machine's going to going to work. <laughs> exactly. And then I believe. um I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's when we see Tony Todd for the first time yeah, in the movie is right after that. It's the second time. The first time you second see him. Time. Yeah, but that's like, that's a great point to, to pull out of that gymnastic kill scene because that's the first time that, oh, I almost forgot his name. Or is it the first time they talk to him? Sam, yeah. It's the first time that Sam goes over to, he sees him as a glimpse. He doesn't, doesn't talk to him then, but then he does eventually go talk to him um, after, I think, someone else dies now i'm realizing i'm getting a little foggy but yeah he does show up at that moment just to do his job and collect the body oh you know where he does that you know you just show up where they actually talk to him it's when the the most annoying character i'm sorry pj burn but isaac Palmer, <laughs> like he's he's playing he's playing it up and like he know he knows the assignment we all know that he's supposed to be the hated dude but after he dies that's when tony todd comes with his like chief medical examiner van and they're taking him out and that's when he finally says like they're rules guys like if you want to live and that's when one of the most interesting things because it wasn't in prior movies this was the first time he's like well if you want to live longer just got to have someone take your spot but the caveat with that is, which I think is so smart, is it's like, okay, you could kill someone to live longer, but you have no idea how much life they have left to live. And I thought that was just a really good way to take the 
the franchise a new and to a new direction because at that point I was like holy shit is this about to like become a slasher film like and it could you never know what the sixth one could bring so right no I like that a lot I'm wondering the guy you were just talking about I already forgot his name oh um, Isaac Palmer the character is he the acupuncture guy yeah he's the acupuncture gotcha guy. I I didn't like that scene uh when I was in high school and it's still kind of my least favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Because I feel like it was supposed to be for comedic effect, Mm -hmm. but I thought he was just rude to the massage therapist. So I didn't think it was funny. Yeah. This is a great example like this. And then that, so I think of this scene and then I also think of when the characters, Olivia and Candace, like trade barbs when they are going to get ready to go on the bus, go to the retreat. And they have that very heated reaction where she's like, you want to lose your baby fat? And she's like, these are just my tits. And she just like takes off her shirt and is just walking around her bra. And like, this is such early 2000s bullshit. Um, and I think of the, the acupuncture scene as well, where like, uh, we get it. We get that he's a misogynist. We get that he is a racist, but uh, we're laying on really thick here, guys. And it leans into a territory where you're like, I think sometimes in this era, it's like, are you laughing at this guy or are you kind of laughing with him? And it's like, uh, it's staring a little bit too close to giving him more screen time than he deserves. And I, I will say that, like, I think what they were trying to do with that death, which isn't as good as the, as the gymnastic one, which just kills it so good, right. uh, is that they're, they're teasing different ways, right? Again and again, like when we first see the needles, I thought he was going to fall on his face and somehow get his needles like stuck in his head and die that way that didn't happen but i guess that would have been too obvious but then the way he dies is just kind of lackluster it just explodes it's like oh well okay well it's like he still suffers a little bit not a little bit a lot of bit because he's he falls in on his body if i remember correctly and all of those go he's not dead yet but that's still really brutal and i think for me is i just didn't really find it funny or with him being rude, I didn't find that funny. So I didn't like his character. Yeah. But I don't need my characters to be unlikable for me to want them to die. That's <laughs> why I'm here. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I prefer my characters to be likable. So I'm like, oh, no, don't get them, Jason. You know what I mean? I think uh, the Final Destination kind of fell into that Friday the 13th problem where it's like, a bunch of unlikable characters so you're rooting for death or Jason Voorhees instead of like you know being invested in the story yeah it definitely this is like what I meant earlier I said it's like an era that like not everything ages well and I think yeah they these are the things right these are the things we think of these are the things we think of when we hear people that are like TNA horror bros like oh, okay this is this is what you're looking for you're looking for a certain era of horror that uh, was misinformed, but we don't got to keep doing it. We can just let it stay there and appreciate what works in the film back then. That might be really problematic and acknowledge it at the same time, but we don't have to keep bringing it back, guys. <laughs> and like, I, I think in, in the case of Final Destination 5, it's a strong film anyways. So yeah, didn't need that. That, one, that one part doesn't really bother me because the rest of it is so strong if the whole movie was like that then it wouldn't be you know that'd be like you want to talk about something else you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> right like if he was the lead character i'd be like oh god yeah right so at least in this one and he dies pretty early so yeah that's what i was thankful too he dies pretty early and i mean honestly I would have had him suffer a little bit more because of how <laughs> intolerable he's been, right? Like we, we kind of want, we now we want to see it. Right. But uh, he doesn't have to be on the screen for too long. It's fine. So like overall, it's still a four-star movie for me. Um, no, I think it's fair. Yeah, I would say that. Because like one bad scene's not going to ruin a movie for me. I'll be like, oh no, fast forward button. <laughs> uh, I mean, I grew up, I grew up watching old VHSs of like the old 70s Godzilla's so I have plenty of childhood memory of skipping through the people parts to get to the Godzilla parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm yeah. I'm curious. Do you agree with the theory or even like the theory that William Bloodworth is like the Grim Reaper or a Grim Reaper in this universe? I like the theory. I don't agree with it. Oh, I'd love to hear your take. What do you what do you think? Uh, so my theory, and I'm probably not the only one with this. So if you're listening to this and you saw it on Reddit or something, <laughs> joke's on you. I don't know how to use Reddit. So as far as I know, this is original. But what I think is that Tony Todd's character 
is more of a what's the word i want i almost said oracle but that's not the right word that's oh like different um thing like a conduit like mm. not a conduit but like he's very i find him to be like spiritual oh, okay okay like he he has this understanding of beyond but he's still mortal yeah yeah okay i do like that's <laughs> my first because he's He's a coroner, and apparently he sees this shit all the time. Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw what was the show. It was it didn't. Oh, True Calling. I think that's what it was, starring a uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayers. Oh, Elijah Dusku. Yeah, uh, True Calling. It reminds me of that a little bit. Where also a coroner. I don't know if you ever seen, <laughs> saw the show. It, uh, I it's it's fun. It's a little campy, but it's fun. But basically, she's like she gets, has uh, the ability to speak with like dead people. <laughs> Um, and it just has always had becomes like a corner. But I love the idea that if you're surrounded by death again and again and again, and that's all that you do for your work, that you might gain some insights to it, uh, which I think works well with how Tony Todd plays William, where it's like, does he really know more or does he just have vague ideas? I think until you get to the point where he's like giving rules, I love like the the vagueness, uh, like in the beginning of this one where he's like, I've seen this once before, a big accident, some lucky few survived, and then uh, they ended up still at my door at work. And it's like, oh, that's that's dark. But like that, I like that it could go either way, that it could just be like the everyman who gains little tidbits from the other side from working at death so closely, or he actually does have like, I don't know, like a secret calling card to death in some way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I think I'm thinking more of the second one where he yeah. just has a relationship, not with death, but kind of just the beyond. Yeah. Um, but the first one works just as well, and he could just be death. Like all <laughs> these theories work, but for me, I'm glad that you brought up the rules because yeah. when I think of it, I think he, I think he's a, he might just be the everyday. This is my job, and he's just picking yeah. things up as he go along because like he's making up the rules in every movie. <laughs> he is he's the game master of these movies because they're who people go to to be like how do what do i do and he's the one that tells them and i love that in this one because of how we know what takes place when right yeah can i spoil it at this point okay we're in spoiler <laughs> territory i think we already were in spoiler ter territory bit. we uh we did some of the the deaths already uh this is why I God invented editing. So I will have a spoiler alert a little earlier. But <laughs> but yeah, we are 100% spoiler, what you call it now. Okay, cool. Uh, so in the franchise, this film is actually bah, 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 the prequel to the whole franchise, which I love that reveal at the end. And yeah. I think what makes it really interesting is because Final Destination 5 happened before any of the other ones, before Alex and Claire ever deal with the plane crash. I think it's interesting that William tells these batch of kids the rule about killing to gain like extra life points essentially, but he doesn't tell, and I know in the real world, these scripts are written like decades apart. So they wanted a fresh idea, right? But I love like applying that to the universe. Like why did he tell these one group of people this? But when it came to meeting Alex and Claire, he didn't tell them that. He was just like, oh, try to figure out the design of death and try to save someone from uh being killed but just know that if you do that it's going to go to the next person like he he creates this kind of rule set so yeah i would love to know just if you can like play with this idea why do you think he might have not told alex and claire about like killing someone rule well i'm glad you bring that up because in the second movie when he's uh talking to that group of protagonists mm -hmm. he comes at us with a completely different set of rules where it's like right? only life can yeah only new life can beat death exactly exactly and he didn't tell alex and clear that or and he didn't tell the protagonist in five that so i'm thinking he's just throwing ideas at the wall hoping they'll work <laughs> and then they don't work it's like okay i'll keep thinking i'm gonna help someone eventually <laughs> I know. I love that idea too. I love if it could be like, because I think the viewer and the way the franchise treats him, you're expected to see him as, as some sort of knowing force, whatever. Like he has this little rule book at home and he's like right. slowly doling out the rules. But I love the idea that like, if he's more of like an everyman that with a connection to the other side, perhaps, and not like an actual Grim Reaper that knows everything and is just teasing these poor teens that like, he is just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, like you said, that he's just like, well, let me try to see if this works. And then I'll remember that. And then if I, for whatever reason, I'm around a catastrophe again, <laughs> which is just every day. Yeah. Uh, and like, 
he'll then try a new rule and see if that works because that's that's so dark but and disturbing <laughs> and honestly makes him into like jigsaw but it's kind of really funny if there's an entire film about his character just being like okay i guess new life didn't work so don't have don't try to have sex to save your life that's not gonna work and then just like going yeah. through what a fascinating I, idea <laughs> i imagine he has like a little notebook with like <laughs> ideas crossed out um but i don't see him as like a jigsaw because i feel i feel like William Bloodsworth is trying to prevent death, whereas yeah. Jigsaw, yeah. Jigsaw to me is like, well, I guess he's he's not death. trying to prevent death though. No, he's trying to he's trying to save their lives by the fear of dying. Right. So I I feel like that'd be interesting. Would William Bloodsworth slash whatever he is in Jigsaw would they be pals or would they be like I detest your line of work? Like would they agree on some stuff? I don't know. I, I don't think they would get along because <laughs> William Bloodsworth is like, why do you have to make my job harder? Yeah. Do you think I want to clean up like all this blood and guts and like five bowls of acid, you asshole? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's like, you're the reason I have to have overtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What if the face off no one asked for, but here I am asking for it. <laughs> I think they might agree on some things. Yeah. But overall, I don't think like I'm thinking of Saw Six specifically. I think they would agree wow. that the United States healthcare system is trash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But other than that, I don't think they'd get along because I I like Jigsaw as a character. I like the Saw franchise, but Jigsaw is a dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like not he's, a nice man. <laughs> and he's pretentious, and yeah. he, I just think he's. Th I think if I knew Jigsaw in real life, I wouldn't like him because I just think he thinks he's better than me. 100%. He and he might like be, but <laughs> I, I don't appreciate it. Yeah, nobody actually wants to be friends with the smartest guy in the room, even if they are the smartest guy in the room. That being said, William Bloodsworth, I could hang out with him. He might say a couple creepy things where I'm like, oh, but we could kick it. Yeah, it'd just be fascinating, like walking to get a cup of coffee with him and he'll just be like, be careful where you step. And you're like, what? Huh? Huh? <laughs> like anything right. he says just sounds ominous. You're like, oh gosh, <laughs> what a guy. What a, what a character. I hope I hope Final Six brings him back in a larger role. Because I feel like Final Five, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he had the most screen time and dialogue in the fifth one. It might be, it might, that might not be true. It might be more in the I think you're one. right. But I, I think I you're right. Like he felt like he was more there than this one. Well, he had multiple scenes. Yeah, that's true. It's he the first time he's had multiple scenes. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Because Final Destination and Final Destination 2, they kind of, it's like halfway through the movie. And for our special halftime performance, Tony Todd. <laughs> and then he shows up, delivers the best lines in the whole movie, just kills it. And then, Exit you know, he works. leaves. Yeah. And it's the rest <laughs> of the movie. It's yeah. basically a halftime performance. <laughs> very true. It's very true. Whereas the fifth one, he's like an actual character. Yeah. Yes. He's like, it's the first time he's ever spoken about having seen this before. And I love the mystery with that. Cause you're like, well, like, especially because we then know all the other like carnage to come in the following films. Right. Uh, like what else did you see? Like, are we going to get an, a prequel to the prequel in a future film? Or will you ever tell us more about what did or didn't work? Will Claire and him ever meet up again? Because so far, Claire, it is Claire, right? For Final Destination 2. I messed up the that name, I think. I'm pretty I sure it's clear. clear. Yeah, there's Clear and Final Destination, but who is the final Well, see, girl? it's the same one. It's the same character. Oh, yeah, but I know I know that she dies, but I'm thinking yeah. of the, the, the brunette who's like the lead. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm just thinking of Allie Larder. You're yeah. talking about someone completely different. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, it's okay. It's like, I'm trying to think. I'm just going to look up Wikipedia. AJ Cook? Yes, AJ Kimberly Corley. Yes, that's her name. Yeah. Yeah, she's the only one. Yeah, she's the only one that survived. I don't know how long she'll last because I remember there's that ending death scene with the barbecue where Brian dies. Right. Um, so I was like, I don't know if that means like she just like skipped a head in line and, and it's coming back to her, but I'm pretty sure she like she survives because she she died and she came back. So it's considered new life. So I'm pretty sure she's okay. Well, if she comes back in the sequel, she we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll know she's no longer okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll know. We'll know it's not going to be good for her. But yeah, yeah. Correct um, me if I'm wrong, but the, the sixth one that it's in development right now, it's being 
produced, and I believe the story is by the guy who did the recent Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy, right? I have on Wikipedia, apparently in January 22, or January 2022, John Watts and his wife were announced to be joining the sixth installment of Final Destination as co-producers, and that Watts mm-hmm. also wrote the film treatment. Oh, great. Okay, cool. So I think that's really cool because to go from clown to three Spider-Man movies in a row. <laughs> Welcome right? back to horror. <laughs> right. But at least it shows you like, we know we trust to know he can do horror well. And he has a really good eye for like believable teenage dialogue. So if we're going to, I mean, I feel like Final Destination 5 made them 30 somethings. Um, but if we're going to keep it in like younger people, vaguely 20, 30 or so that he would write dialogue that makes sounds like it so that makes me feel good and you know doing all those spider-man movies you know he can direct a set piece exactly exactly so So the action is like covered which is thank god because so much practical effects goes into these movies like 20 million dollars worth (laughs) i'm just hoping that uh he he'll know how to go back to those practical effects because Mm. especially the last spider-man movie yeah mostly green screen all yeah it was I I was not the biggest fan of how that movie ended up being because I like the first two a lot. I like Homecoming and Far From Home a lot, mm. but No Way Home. I don't know. I but at the same time with Disney and Sony, who's to being say yeah. the divorced parents of Spider Man and they're you know battling. I don't think it's really John Watts' fault. I don't think so either. I think that if he was allowed to you know, to have enthusiastic support by both studios. I think like the three storylines would have been something closer to what we got with Into the Spider-Verse, where we would have had more like these three characters interacting and on a mission and said they're just like kind of glorified cameos and with like everyone gets one monologue and then it has to go. (laughs) Right, right. And then I feel like if it was a bit of a healthier situation, it wouldn't have been all green screen, all like CG. Like they have the money and- you know, why not just use the same Green Goblin suit? But that that's a conversation for another time. I'm happy John Watts is uh, getting out of that for a little bit. But yeah, when it comes to John Watts, I'm excited for him to do Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Because um, as someone who likes the Marvel movies, I also know you. that's like, you got to do what the studios tell you. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much money on the table that sometimes direction, sometimes the production speaks for the director. So it happens. Right. Like that's how you get a year where a movie directed by Sam Raimi and a movie directed by Taika Waititi, very different directors kind of look the same. Yeah. Yep. That being said, welcome to the horror fam. (laughs) Even though you did clown, so... Welcome back is what I should be saying. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do for Final Destination 6. Yeah. I mean, especially after after pulling off. And I think it I think it worked well. I mean, I guess I should ask you, do you think that the reveal of Final Destination 5 being a prequel worked for you? You know what? The second time I watched the movie, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Because there was a couple year gap between watching it in high school and then revisiting it after I watched the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I forgot about it. Yeah. When I first saw it in high school, it didn't make any difference to me. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. It was a plane. But I didn't realize the, <laughs> the context. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize why it was crazy. I'm I mean, because without context, it's messed up, you know, <laughs> but yeah. it's mind blowing uh, if you do know the context. Yeah, and I think they did a, a good job too editing in the scenes, and like the color of the scenes too, because I was like, this is a film from 2011 and Final Destination came out in... I think 2000. Yeah, yeah, the first one in 2000. So that's like 11 years. So like, obviously I knew they were going to take like footage that they had from like another camera or something but i was curious of how it would work if it would feel very much like spiced together but i think it works really naturally and they did a a smart idea of like showing mostly the back of these characters heads uh because it it seems like what they did is there's obviously multiple cameras on that day and they just like save from some footage from the back of the 
plane set that they are working in, but it, it feels organic because we're also sitting in the back of the plane with Sam and Molly. So I love that. So that was really cool. No, I think it's great. And every time I watch it now, I get a little excited because I know it's coming. I'm like bringing it full, especially if it's one of those days where you accidentally watch all five in a row. Which happens to you several days a year. <laughs> well, not several days a year, uh, maybe once once okay. a year or once every two yeah. years. Uh, always in October, though. Yeah. <laughs> It's if I, I can catch the final destination marathon. <laughs> I know. I feel, I always feel so bad for Molly because in the end, if Sam did nothing except like just let the premonition happen, his girlfriend would have survived. But by trying so hard to like prevent it and save each other, they like killed both of themselves. Like if he had done nothing, she would have been fine. Well, <laughs> death don't play. Death don't play. Don't play with death. So now we have come to the titular question of the podcast. Mm -hmm. This one's a really easy one, I think. <laughs> if you had to square up with death 1v1, would you die? 100%. I would not beat <laughs> death. <laughs> it's like, even if you beat death, it's like always coming for you. So it's just like, all right, smarty like you got five years and then i'm gonna surprise you with a stroke and you're like what <laughs> it's not even like five years it's like okay it here's be. a couple never... hours <laughs> well i mean i feel like in the films they've done they've um they'll be like oh two weeks went by nothing happened we must be saved but like i'm willing i'm waiting for them to pull like mm. you know you know if they ever bring back kimberly aj cook's character from final destination 2 into like a new final destination movie i would love that to be like oh it's been like five years or two decades like i'm fine but the whole time death is just like no you're not but i've just been waiting <laughs> exactly yeah and your time's now <laughs> yeah your time's now i decided i had to take a break for two decades <laughs> so i th i think that is the only answer if i had to you know go up against death it it's death it's i would die yep i and think it's a pad will come and collect your body <laughs> It would have been, then it would be worth it. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'd be okay. I'd be like, um, okay. It seems a little like the situation here seems a little wonky. Is it going to be that bus? Is it going to be that roller coaster? As long as I see Tony Todd, <laughs> I'll just let it happen. <laughs> when I came up with the concept of, of this show, I never, I didn't think about the final destination. <laughs> Where death has basically, with the exception of Kimberly, uh, death has a 100% clearance rate. <laughs> yeah, 100%. There are certain like villains and monsters where I'm like, 100% you would die if you met them. And I'm thinking yes. Michael Myers. I'm thinking the Xenomorph. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, I'm sorry, but everyone listening right now, you're not going to go 1v1 with the Predator and live. No. <laughs> He's like laser guns. What are you going to do? And I don't think there's enough mud around us to like go be, you know, cover ourselves in mud like Arnold. <laughs> yeah. You're like Freddy. You're not going to be Freddy. Mm -mm. Right. Right. But there are some where it's like you, you could beat Pennywise. Yeah. Or like you can beat Ghostface. It's just a man. Yeah. Us. Yeah. 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 But death, no, because even if no, you beat death. it. You, every, unless you're an immortal and keeping your eternal life secret from everybody else, like you're, everyone's going to die someday. So it's like at the end of the day, death always wins. Even though Kimberly is alive now in the universe, like she's not going to be alive forever. So like death still wins. <laughs> and even if you want to go like kind of boring, if you make it to like 90 or mm -hmm. 95 or long, beautiful life, you're on your on your uh, deathbed surrounded by family, close your eyes. And then you still lose. Cause that's you still, still <laughs> you're still going to see Tony Todd at the end of it. Yeah. Oh man. I, so I would, even, yeah. even if it's best case scenario, don't have to be the horrific scenarios of final destination. Tony, Tony Todd still wins. He still wins. Cause he's the Grim Reaper. Exactly. <laughs> and this is a Tony Todd Stan podcast clearly yes officially now <laughs> <laughs> uh so thank you for joining me uh talking about tony todd and final destination if you 
don't mind, can you talk about the Horror Hangover podcast for a little bit? Sure. So it's uh, monthly slash bi-monthly. Sometimes I get ambitious and two episodes will come out for <laughs> mostly <laughs> one per month. I co-host it with uh, my best friend, Ryan C. Bradley, who also is a horror writer and came out with a novella recently called Saint's Blood. Fantastic. It's if you like, you know, if you like the final destination and at least the first Saw movie, you would like Saint's Blood. So I recommend that. And on our podcast, we just have guests of horror lovers or creators, and we take one trope at a time and break it down in its history, where it's worked well, why it even got started in the first place, and try to pick a mainstream movie that most people have seen, and then like an indie darling that you might not have seen, and talk about the trope in both those films. That's awesome. I listened to I listened to your episode with Josh Rubin, and I thought that was a really fun one. So I got to listen to more, though. I've been slacking. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, so everyone should listen to that podcast because it's really good. And like I said in the intro, you do a lot of other stuff. I do. I do. <laughs> Where can people find your your writing and your other work? Of course. Uh, so for as long as Twitter is alive, I'm on that godforsaken app. And you can find me at Cass <laughs> underscore underscore Clark. I currently edit for Slash Film, but I also have her in for Pangoria, Rue Morgue, Dread Central, Daily Dead, and I have an upcoming project in the works that I can't quite talk about yet, but I'm excited to announce soon. And hopefully by the time this comes out, it will be officially announced. But it's definitely scary and something original for me. That's awesome. That is so cool. Uh, (laughs) Thank you you so much for joining me. I had a blast. Of course. Thank you, Austin. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Cass for joining me. We were originally supposed to have a more general discussion on the concept of Grim Reapers, but anything that turns into a celebration of Tony Todd is a blessing. Anyone who knows me well knows Tony Todd is one of my favorite actors of all time, so it's easy to get me geeking out about that legend. Something fun tomorrow is February 2nd, or today, or yesterday, or a couple months ago, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, February 2nd, 2023 is the first anniversary of the Would You Die podcast. Hooray! A big announcement next month, March 1st, 2023, I'm launching the Would You Die podcast Patreon. This little podcast has been blessed with amazing support this past year, and I think it's time for it to grow a little further. I have some exciting plans for perks, but I'll announce more as we get closer to the date. If you love this podcast, I really hope you consider joining that Patreon once it is up and running. It would mean the world to me. One more big announcement. My first horror short film, Best Day Ever, is available to watch on YouTube. It finished its little festival run, and I am so proud of my horror debut as a writer-director. My second short film, Ice Scream, is finished and prepping its festival run now, which is super exciting. Filmmaking is hard as fuck. So I'm really proud of the fact that I have two shorts under my belt. I'm working on some feature scripts at the moment. Um, We'll see when number three happens, but for the moment, I'm really excited for what the future may bring. On this segment of I Know What You Watched Last Week, in which I tell you about the horror films I've watched since the last episode, episode three of The Last of Us came out and was a perfect hour of television. No notes. But I do need an Emmy delivered to Mr. Nick Offerman immediately. I watched quite a few horror films over the week, which were Freaky, Glorious, Shopping Mall, The Void, Ready or Not, Scream 2022, and Ex Machina. Freaky, Ready or Not, Scream 2022, and Ex Machina were all rewatches. Ex Machina could be considered horror adjacent, but I consider it a part of the Frankenstein lineage, so I have no problem having it as part of the horror canon. Glorious is a fun indie cosmic horror film on Shudder, which deals with a man getting trapped in a bathroom, being forced to save the world with a horrific otherworldly being voiced by J.K. Simmons, who is hiding behind a glory hill. Glory hole. It's smart, absurd, and actually really heartfelt. And I think it's a really good time. And to do cosmic horror on a tiny budget is insane, but this film has such good craft that honestly, you don't really notice it's low budget. It's really stellar filmmaking. Chopping Mall is a film I thought I saw a long time ago in college, but 
either it's been such a long time or i never seen it because I didn't remember any of it. Anyways, it's that pure 80s, like, what the fuck am I watching that you know and you love. If you're a horror fan, I think you can appreciate Chopping Mall, um, even if it's not your thing, because it's just a lot of fun. It's killer robots in a mall. It, the, the name is a pun. Like, it is, it is fun. And then I watched The Void, also on Shudder, and that was weird, man. It... Um, it is not a movie you should put on while working or doing something else. It's a movie that should have your undivided attention because it goes off the rail pretty quick in a good way. In a good way. It The practical effects are amazing. The monsters in it are insane. Um, I need to rewatch this movie. I need to give it my full attention, but I really liked what I saw. So that's it for that segment. If you're interested in this part of the podcast, follow me at letterbox at Taurus AU so you can see all the movies I log and see my little reviews. If you're enjoying the Would You Die podcast, please like, share it, comment, and subscribe. If you want to help support the podcast financially, I do have a Buy Me A Coffee page. I'll put the link in the episode description, but it is buymeacoffee.com slash show. There's no obligation to donate, but any little bit will help me so much. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, you can follow me on TikTok um, at Would You Die Podcast, where it's become mostly shit posts of gizmo dancing to random music, I find. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week's episode is going to be lit horror lit. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.